0: Welcome to this episode of Come, Follow Me, Disciple's Journey. This episode will discuss section 86 of the Doctrine and Covenants. So, something interesting this week. These sections, uh, in terms of length, um, I'm trying to even decide. You know, maybe, I guess, section 85 is the longest, uh, but none of them are longer than 11 verses. And so we've got what about thirty verses total this this week through the three sections. But as I was studying, I found a lot of information. There's been some other shorter sections that we've studied this year, and oftentimes I might find a quote or two about those sections, and maybe you know a page worth of just like cross references and, and, and outside source material from from the church for these. Three sections though there's actually quite a bit that prophets have had to say and that commentators have have discussed Um, so you can take that for whatever you want to me uh, normally three sections like this would have taken me a shorter period of time than normal my normal study to get through in a week but it actually took me uh, the full week to get through studying these and studying the, the other materials so just like with any other section, you know we're going to be studying section eighty-eight next week. It's a hundred and forty some odd verses or something like that. It's long. It's ten pages of of scripture, which I mean I'm sure you're, you you know what that means. It's it's long and 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 heavy. And when I, when we talk about sections like that, I often encourage you all to take your time, break it into sections and in chunks. You may not be you know. As inclined to do that this week, but I think what I'm saying is maybe maybe still do that this week with these sections. Take some time to read Matthew 13 um, and read the parables that the Lord, that the Savior shares, because Matthew 13 is where the parable of the wheat and tares is shared. But there's also other parables. There's several other parables in that same chapter. What is the Lord trying to teach uh, with the the ordering of those parables, or by teaching them at about the same time together? So, the parable of the wheat and tares was shared by the Savior in Matthew, and the apostles, the, his, his disciples, didn't understand it, so they ac- actually just straight up asked him, which didn't tend to really happen all that often, uh, at least that we have a record of. And he gives them the answer to a bunch of the questions that they had, and he, he kind of interprets it for them. And so, between Matthew 13 and section 86, we have... Two chapters or sections of scripture that talk about the this parable and its deciphering. Uh, that's a unique thing when it comes to parables. This was given uh, in December of 1832, and Joseph seeking some answers got this uh, revelation about uh, this parable. Uh, and what are so? What are parables? Parables are short stories with a point that illustrates spiritual truths. Um, the Savior used them when opposition to his message became bitter and intense, uh, so that he would, use, he would choose to present his message or teach in a way that would uh, hide the truth or the doctrine from those who were not prepared to receive it. And what's interesting about uh, parables is you might think, oh, this is a way to illustrate a point to make it more easily understandable, when really it's actually the opposite. It's to mask a point so that only those who are prepared understand the point. Uh, it's it's a little bit counterintuitive to the way the world thinks, but hey, the Lord's ways are not our ways, and His thoughts are not our thoughts. Um, so in Matthew thirteen, the Lord gives at least nine different points uh, of the interpretation. So He says the man so. Basically I'll I'll without reading the entire parable, I'll tell you the, the story, more or less. A man goes out and sows some wheat, so meaning he plants wheat, uh, and wheat begins to grow up, but tares, which is just basically a, a weed that is you know, gonna sap the nutrients and compete with the wheat, uh, begins to grow up as well. His servants say, Hey, should we go harvest or should we go uh, you know, chop the tares down so the wheat can grow unencumbered? And the master of the field says, no, don't do that, because if you pull the tares out, the wheat is so young and tender and uh, immature that it will also be damaged and ruined. So the man sowing the seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of of the kingdom or the uh, followers of Christ. The tares are the children of Satan, uh, the enemy. The enemy is the devil. Uh, By the way, I forgot, I failed to mention that his enemy went and planted the tares they didn't just pop up randomly the harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels sent to reap the field the tares bound and burned are the evil ones and so at the end of the 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 parable there are some servants who are saying all right can we go now can we go now can we go now and the lord of the field says the the man sowing right he says yeah go ahead and go now and they separate the wheat and the tares. They bind the tares all up into groups and they burn them. And so there's the interpretation. In section 86, we get a little bit more. We get that the wheat's bringing forth. Uh, well, what what does it mean? I guess I, what I should what I should say is there are a few more questions that arise that were not answered. Um, in section thir- in excuse me Matthew 13. For example, the wheat springing forth and starting to bear fruit, the men sleeping, the wheat and the tares being allowed to grow together until the harvest. What what do these things specifically mean? Um, The wheat being uprooted in in an attempt to weed out the tares. Like, what would would that symbolically mean? Those are some of the questions that still remained after Christ's interpretation. So, in section 86, some answers to those questions uh, are received. For example, the falling asleep of the men represents the death of the original apostles. So this, uh, which, you know, was the catalyst really for the great apostasy. Um, the enemy is Babylon, the great whore, which is elsewhere called the great and abominable church. Um, world, it's worldliness. It's just all things of the devil and of the world. Uh, the terrors represent the evil doctrines of the enemy and the tares have been identified with uh, a darnel weed, which is a bearded rye grass, and so it looks a lot like the wheat which was, that was grown in this in that time period. Um, and so it, it looks a lot like it, but its properties, other than that, are significantly different. The taste it was really bitter, um, and it uh, actually is. Causes causes uh, like a sickness. It causes you to get dizzy and um, can cause diarrhea. So it's dangerous to eat. It looks a lot like the wheat, but uh, other than looking like it, it's it's, you know, it's very dangerous. And so you can see why the enemy would go and plant that because then it wouldn't be easy to separate. So it's not only going to now be competing with the wheat, but now it's going to be even harder to separate it out. Uh, think about the doctrines of men mingled with scripture. Think about the way that Satan works as he works in half truths. He tells us, um, you know, he tells Adam and Eve, you know, oh, you can eat the fruit because, and you sh- you won't surely die. Well, wrong, but you'll be as the gods, knowing good and evil. Well, that is true. See, half truths. That's it's from the very very beginning of man. It's how Satan has worked. Uh, he's the master manipulator, the master counterfeiter and he likes to get things as close to the real thing as possible. President Joseph Fielding Smith pointed out that even in the church, the tares are to be found. It is the tares which are to be gathered up and burned from all over the world, but those in the church will also be gathered out to find their place in the fire. The Savior also bore witness of this. When he speaking to the Nephites, he said, For it shall come to pass, saith the Father, that at that day, whosoever will not repent and come unto my beloved Son, them will I cut off from my people, O house of Israel. These false doctrines are abound inside and outside the church. And so we have to be, go go back to section 85. It's about not presuming to steady the ark and not following those who who do presume to steady the ark. It's about having our own personal revelation and receiving revelation through the, the line of the priesthood, through our leaders, whether that's the prophet or our bishop or our Relief Society president or our Young Women's president, whoever it may be that's been delegated that authority that's the line and it's and it's having both lines of communication open our personal and the priesthood and only in doing that do we can we avoid the deception of these tares so there are a few other things um that uh, that are shared in section 86 in terms of an interpretation but one that I want to hit on for sure is is verse 5 that the angels are crying unto the lord to be sent forth to reap so they said behold verily yet, the, the the verse says, Behold, verily I say unto you, the angels are crying unto the Lord day and night who are ready and wanting to be sent forth to reap down the fields. Why would they want to go and reap the fields? Why would they want to burn these tares Well, it's because look at the calamity of the world. Look at the death and the destruction and sadness that mortality is, especially as we draw closer to the second coming. And... They, they don't want to see that. They don't want to see the suffering. They want it to end. But it wasn't time yet. Um, however, Joseph Fielding Smith said, now I want to make some comments in regard to the statement by President Woodruff and his parable. Um, he's talking about these angels, by the way. The Lord said that the sending forth of these angels was to be at the end of the harvest and the harvest is the end of the world now. That ought to come to Cause us some very serious reflections and the angels have been pleading as I have, as I have read it unto you before the Lord to be sent on their mission until 1893. The Lord said to them, no. And then he sent them loose. According to the revelation of president Woodruff, the Lord sent them out of that out on that mission. What do we gather out of that? That we are at the end of the time, end of time. This is the time of the harvest. This is the time spoken of, which is called the end of the world. Those angels have been released. President Woodruff said this uh in an address. Um but he in eighteen ninety three at the dedication of the Salt Lake Temple, he said, those angels have now been loosed and they are amongst in the world beginning that gathering and that this separation and this harvest. We are at the end the end of times. Um and the calamities that we see in the earth are now partly due to that, to to this separation and this that we are in the at the end of times. Um, we just, uh, something interesting I found that, uh, Joseph F. Smith, no, sorry, Joseph Fielding Smith. It was Joseph Fielding Smith. He cited this, um, study that was done by some, uh, sociologists or something like that. They studied all the wars in history basically. And uh, how often? How regular? How many people are involved? How many people died? And they gave it this uh, like a, an an average number, basically this this coefficient number. And uh, in the 12th century, the the number was at 2.6. And so again, that doesn't mean much to you, other than it's just this they combined a bunch of these data points and to give things an average number. So in the 12th century, wars and calamity 2.6 by the 20th century 1900s so think of world war 1 which is happened which was uh, had already happened at this point uh, of the study the coefficient then rose to 13,735 that's the, and it had steadily increased from the 12th century to the 20th century just up 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 and is that not a sign of the times so here we just scientifically some, some researchers were like, hey, that seems like there's more wars than that. They're that really bad. So let's see if we can ch- show that. Yep, turns out it is. And these angels are were standing ready, and, and in 1893, President Woodruff said that they were loosed to begin the harvest of the last days. What is our mission? What is our job? What is our role and our duty? Gather Israel. Build Zion. Section 87 is going to talk about these wars so section 85, 86, and 87 seem kind of disjointed, a little bit, and unrelated, but as you think about section 85 was about studying the ark, section 86 is about these tares, uh, and the, you can start to see that there is some threads that hold these sections together as you study this week, 80, and section 86 talks about these the last days and the calamities and these angels and the, the harvesting, section 87 talks about the wars that would break out in the world, and the destruction, and the suffering that would be caused in the, in the last days. Well, how do we be prepared? We've we got to be the wheat. We've got to uh, not steady the ark. And in section 87, we're going to learn we need to stand in holy places, gather Israel, and build Zion. That's it. That's, that's what our focus should be. As we read these, these, you know, the parable of the wheat and the tares and the, and the prophecy in section 87, the parable is just a prophecy from Christ, right, about the last days. And as I mentioned in the overview episode, the prophecy is not about the prophecy as much as it is, as it is about being prepared for those times, as much as it is about how we act leading up to and in those times. It's about standing in holy places. It's about gathering Israel and building Zion. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me in the next episode as we discuss Section 87.